0: Keith is the Chief Evolution Officer at Profit Builders, which has been named one of the best sales leadership coaching organizations worldwide. To name just a few of Keith's many accolades, Inc Magazine and Fast Company named him one of the five most influential executive coaches. He has written several bestsellers, the latest of which was named the 2018 Sales Book of the Year, and he was also named the 2009 Sales Education Leader of the Year. Today, Keith will share some insight about communicating with investors and making the perfect pitch. We're hopeful that this session will prove to be helpful as all of you prepare for conversations with allocators in the near future and throughout your capital raise process. Please join me in welcoming Keith Rosen.
1: Thank you. Thanks for being here, everyone. Let's go ahead and dive right into this. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. I I appreciate you carving out 40, 45 minutes, 50 minutes of your time today. So I want to go ahead and dive right into this so that you get the most value you can out of our time together. Uh, Speaking of value, I'd like to just quickly highlight what we're going to be covering in the next 30 to 35 minutes. Uh, In terms of learning objectives, number one, It's all about communication. Sales is a language, leadership is a language. So this is about how can you communicate like a sales leader to actually develop your unique edge? Number two, uh, we're gonna talk about structuring your pitch deck and really transform it from a presentation to a conversation. Now, we're not talking about doing an entire makeover. We're talking about shifting some of the language that you need to include in your presentation to make it more impactful. We're also gonna talk about some of the top myths of pitching your business when pitching investors. We're gonna align your pitch with investors' expectations. And finally, probably if not the most important thing, how do you show up and how can you develop the unconditional confidence of a champion? So let's start. Let's face it, uh, the last year and a half has certainly taught us a lot. And if anything, uh, what got you here today will not be where you want to be tomorrow. If you're still pitching the same way you did in 2019 and 2020 and now in 2021, you're already behind. Okay. the most important thing here is to realize that there are new conversations that need to be had and we need to shift the conversation so we can engage with our investors in a deeper, more effective level. And that's why it's not just about delivering the perfect pitch. It's about redesigning, but reinventing it and changing also how you think about what a good and effective pitch would look like and sound like. Now, if we just look at the facts, if you guys have a pitch deck and and your PMs are out there and and they're going ahead and they're using their deck, uh, same deck, is everyone performing at the exact same level? Now, I have never, ever, ever seen that. Now, why is that? Because we need to first look at what the definition of selling is or presentation is. I I put that all under one umbrella. You see, the definition of selling is quite simply this. It's the art and language of creating new possibilities. In every conversation, you're either driving your agenda to get to the end result of your presentation, or you're taking the time to be present enough and create new possibilities throughout your presentation to avoid that, you know, zoom overwhelm and becoming a zoom bee and feeling like you're a robot delivering the same presentation three, four, five times a day. So now my understanding again, not being, of course, an expert in your industry, but typical pitch outline that I've seen is basically overview, team, process, contact details, and of course, the appendix. Now, I know there's probably a lot more that you weave into your presentation, but what I've seen, this is sort of a very basic outline of, of uh, what I've seen in, uh, uh, PMs use when pitching investors. Now, the problem is this, that framework no longer is effective today. We need to change, not necessarily what we're doing, but the order in which we're doing it and how we're doing it. So I think it's a rhetorical question that if you've ever experienced presentation fatigue, I mean, listen, how much of your presentation literally sounds like everybody else? And at the end of the day, who's really more exhausted, you delivering your presentation or the investors listening to the same presentation over and over again. So this is about challenging our thinking to challenge how we're currently doing things. And this is the first thing, and I like to talk about the inner game of selling because if delivering an effective pitch, a masterful pitch was just about having the right deck and the right presentation, then again, Everyone would be performing at the exact same level. But the problem is this. You're not developing your whole self. You see, the greatest sales champions, the greatest leaders I see, not only develop and master what they do, but they master the inner game as well. How we think, your attitude, how you show up. So many times, and if you even yourself, you think, okay, what's the initial objective of a conversation with an investor? And you're thinking, you know, to get, through the, to get through the presentation, that's what I need to do. I need to get through my presentation and get to the end as quickly as I possibly can. No, the initial objective of that conversation, that presentation with an investor is to focus on the process to assess if there's a fit so rather than spend you know 30 minutes pitching and 10 minutes with a q a now you're focusing on the process you're shifting from you know a one-dimensional one-way conversation to a dialogue to a collaboration and that's why the interview process it goes both ways you know i don't know the last time you've asked this question but some of the questions i've been asking lately my clients too is what's going to make you a great client and of course it takes them back but It's very interesting when they share that because what they wind up doing, of course, is reinforcing why we need to partner together. So that really speaks to what we're looking at here is that great companies recognize the need to refine the new critical conversations with their investors that connect people in a deeper, more meaningful way, especially when we're now looking to develop relationships, one to one dimensional relationships on a flat screen where the person you're looking to engage is about you know this big on your screen. So something has to change. And one of the things that has to change is the anatomy of what a perfect pitch sounds like. And I'm gonna break it down for you right now. Here we go. The anatomy of a perfect pitch starts with the six core objectives when presenting. Number one, of course, you're going to introduce yourself and your team but you're not going right into your pitch yet. You're going to provide the audience, those investors with a compelling reason to listen to you. What's in it for them? Then you're going to use a set of questions I'll be sharing with you to set proper expectations and structure of the meeting as well as the content you'll be sharing. The fourth step is now is when you begin your presentation and your pitch and you're getting them involved in the conversation. Moving to step five, now you're going to assess the value of the conversation. After your pitch, in other words, do you go right to, okay, Mr. or Mrs. Investor, what's the next step? Or do you actually take the time to do an assessment to see the value that, those investors received from the conversation and also uncover and diffuse any hidden objections or concerns. After all, why wait until the end of a relationship of courting an investor so long and then finding out the objections later when you can uncover any potential roadblocks up front in the very first conversation. And finally, of course, number six, is determine the next step so uh, how does this align with your pitch how does your pitch compare to this you know when you think about how much time those people in shark tank have to pitch their investors and for them to make a decision think about how laser like you have to be to number one deliver a compelling case and number two answer their questions with surgical precision And that is why the best presentations lead with questions, not with answers. And the simple reason why is because it doesn't matter if you have the perfect answer, because what investors hear, they resist, but what they say, they believe. So now imagine uh, parts of your conversation when you're looking to get confirmation and affirmation from a closed-ended question, you're now opening that up to an open-ended question so you can exactly hear from the investor exactly what they're hearing from the conversation as well as, you know, what are those hot buttons? What are the things that you're saying that they're really tuning into? And what are the things that you're saying that they're not? And... Moving into this and moving into the questions, you see, everyone talks today about the importance of becoming a critical thinker. And of course, I'm going to say that's critical, except before you become a critical thinker, you need to become a critical questioner, because the answer you get is only as good as the question you ask. So rather than bang your head against the wall and try to figure out okay, how do I pitch this individual investor? What's gonna make it? What can I share with them that's going to be most important? Tap into the individuality of each investor because they are motivated based on what they want, not what you want. Just because you may feel certain information is critical does not mean they are. And this is where I'm going to share the number one root cause of lost business, disconnects, communication breakdowns, lost revenue, and that is all rooted in assumptions. The hundreds of assumptions we make every single day, and I'll certainly be sharing some of them with you so that I can put them in front of your line of vision and you can be mindful of rather than making assumptions, You can actually ask the questions to validate them and one of the greatest assumptions that i see pms make is that they pitch the way they buy or they sell the way they buy now think about that if you're pitching the way you buy you're thinking okay well if i was an investor what information would be most important to me well now you're designing your presentation and your pitch for you not for your investors so we need to be mindful about aligning the way investors like to be pitched with our pitch itself Said a different way aligning the buyers buying process with our selling strategy and the only way you can do this is by seeking to understand their point of view suspend your assumptions and ask Better questions so as I said before I'm going to share with you the top 12 assumptions that can destroy a presentation okay now of course there you are speaking to one of the investors and you begin the conversation with thanks for your time today I I've already prepared a 30 slide deck based on what I think is important to you and what you need to hear from us well Again, that's presenting or pitching in your own image. Let's talk about some of the assumptions that can cost this opportunity. What are some of the assumptions that this PM could be making? Well, let's take a look. Number one, what information the investor wants to hear? Expectations of the meeting. What's most important to them? How much information to share? How they want to to present and deliver the information, the, excuse me, the questions to ask, the relevant questions to ask, how they make their decisions, the factors that they use, their decision-making process, the influencers, the advocates, and the decision-makers, the criteria that they use to make an investment, the collateral materials you think they want, and finally, why they did or didn't invest with you. Now, what about this? What else are you assuming? How about what you think they know, what you think they don't know, and what level of subject matter expertise that they have? Think about how all these assumptions impact your presentation. If there's one thing to take away from our time together that can make an impact to improve the uh quality of your presentations it's this okay and and how can you do this how can you start being mindful of the assumptions that you may be making because here's the thing if you're assuming you're no longer listening because what's an assumption it's a belief we hold often based on a past experience that we then project as a future expectation which is, well, the last time I pitched this investor, this happened, so uh, I guess I'll do it this way again. Or the last time I pitched this investor, it went really bad, so you know what? I guess I won't do that next time. You're making an assumption, okay, without the evidence to support it. So you're either asking the questions and assessing the facts, or you're assuming them. And one of the type of questions that every sales leader needs to ask every pm needs to ask or what i call springboard clarifying questions now i can tell you now as you saw in the first slide everything we're discussing here is not only about mastering and creating the perfect pitch but also creating your competitive edge because your competition they're not doing this they're not asking these questions so what is a springboard clarifying question I'll give you an example. If there were 100 people in a room and I went out around the room and I asked each person what their definition of success was or what uh, the client or the investor is pushing back on this opportunity or I'm really frustrated or I'm feeling overwhelmed, you're not going to hear the same definition from each person. You're going to hear what their definition is. So the greatest assumption we make is around the phraseology, the words people use. So how do you escape that? How do you then go deeper into the conversation to make it more relevant and more valuable for your investors? Well, number one, a springboard clarifying question is basically building off what the person just shared. It adds clarity and alignment around your communication. It avoids those assumptions. And it actually reinforces trust and increases your impact. So, of course, we all know how critical it is to develop trust by going deeper and asking questions. Questions demonstrate you care. And here's a secret. The the new sales strategy today, the the new presentation strategy today is care. That's it. And you ask questions, it's demonstrating you care enough to seek to understand their point of view. So what are some examples of these springboard questions? I'm going to share just a few. Number one, when you say uh, provide a quick overview of your management team, what's most important for you to know about each person? Can you go into more depth regarding what you mean when you say a seasoned, experienced team? And finally, when you say, we expect a strong track record. Can you give me an example? If you're just saying, okay, I'll give you a quick overview, or, you know, I'll share with you about our seasoned experience team, or, hey, you know what? Let me share with you what our track record is. You're making a gross assumption of what they truly want to hear from you. These questions clarify it. So before we shift gears, I couldn't help myself, as I said earlier, you know, to truly develop as a sales leader, as a champion, you can't just develop the skill, the outer game. You have to develop the inner game as well. And the inner game is not the go do, it's the go be. It's the part that most training, if not all, never really focus on. So I'm going to share with you one of the most, if not the most important mindset that you need to to have when you're presenting. So here we go. This is a paradox. To create this best solution, don't focus on the solution. To deliver the best pitch, don't focus on the pitch? What? Well, let's explore this for a second. You see, if you're focused, on the pitch if you're focused on delivering your solution you're no longer proactively and intentionally and patiently living and listening in the present see right now you're actually focused on a future point in time so wait a second what's the definition of selling the art of creating new possibilities well if if that's the case, and you're focused on the future, you can, you're no longer present. And if you're no longer present, you can't be patient. You can't be curious. You can't be questioning. You can't be caring. You certainly can't be listening. And you cannot, again, cre- the art of creating new possibilities. So <laughs> if you're wondering when we're going to talk about listening, we've already talked about it. Because if you're focused on what you believe in your assumptions, if you're focused on the end result, you're no longer listening. And that's when that level of engagement and that's when the investor's eyes start glossing over. So uh, to drive this point home, stop living in the future, stop living in the past and focused on living in the present. Because the last time I checked, that's where presentations live. That's where new possibilities live. And actually, that's where life lives as well. I promised you before about what these new conversations sound like. And again, to truly engage people, especially in a remote environment today, you need to change the conversation. And when you change the conversation, you change the outcome. So here's a question to self-reflect. What questions do you ask to align with the investor's expectations and decision-making process? We need to think like a sales leader. Again, this is the inner game of sales leadership, the inner game of sales mastery of being a champion. When you are selling, when you are pitching, it's never about you. So what gets in the way of delivering a perfect pitch is making it about you. What does that sound like? Your internal dialogue sounds like, okay, I really gotta nail this. Okay, I I really gotta make sure I, I do a good job. I know all eyes are on me. I can't blow it. Okay? I really need to be mindful of covering all the information that they want to share. What are you hearing? I i i i i i i. You're making the entire process about you. So if it's the investor and a PM, who is the presentation about? It's about them. And who do we make it about? Us. And if we're making it about us, Again, we're no longer patient, engaged, and listening, and we're certainly not able to ask creative questions. So instead of making it about you, make it about the investor and the value you can deliver rather than focusing on the fear of losing an opportunity because that's what we do. We either go in from a place of fear or we go in from a place of positive intent, okay? Go in from a place of if you don't make it about you, you're removing all of that self-imposed pressure to perform, which I can tell you right now, you do that, you remove that presentation fatigue. So let's keep building on this now. And again, to get more tactical. I want to share with you the top five questions to ask during the beginning of every pitch. Now, keep in mind, I, I shared with you the anatomy of the perfect pitch. Now we're getting into the details. Now we're getting into the messaging and the more effective questioning to help facilitate a deeper, more engaging conversation. Now, again, you're not starting pitching yet. We need to set expectations and align that, align their expectations with your presentation. Start off with setting intent. This is what it could sound like. To ensure we deliver on your expectations, may I ask a few clarifying questions that would help facilitate the conversation? And here they are. Just to reconfirm, how much time do we have for our meeting? To ensure I meet your expectations, what information is most important to you that you'd like me to focus on? What criteria is most important to you when making an investment like this into a fund? What is your typical process when choosing who to invest in or who to invest with? And finally, before I share more about us, how much do you already know about us our product, me, or the impact that you can expect from our fund? Think about what these questions do right now for you. You're setting up everything you need to deliver on exactly what they expect, as well as avoiding the information and delivering information that, e a, they already know or aren't interested in. Now you're driving deeper engagement. So let's keep going. (laughs) Well, if those are the top five questions to ask in the beginning to structure your presentation, well, how do you continually engage people throughout your presentation? Now, most people, when they're presenting, will go through their presentation. And every once in a while, they'll say things like, do you have any questions? Wow, what a magnificent close-ended question, because I'm sure most of the time you'll hear, nope, keep going. So rather than use this question, which clearly is ineffective, change your languaging. Again, you change the conversation, you change the outcome. So here are the top four alignment questions you can ask during your presentation to ensure that you and the investor are aligned with what you're talking about and you're speaking to what interests them most. And here they are, number one. So um, how does this align so far with what you're looking for and what you wanna hear? What questions, if any, do you have around, and that could be around, pick a slide, whatever you've discussed up to that point. What's grabbed your attention so far that we need to discuss further? And finally, as we begin to discuss our investment strategy, what are the main points you'd like me to highlight? See, these are the questions that you facilitate, not just in the beginning, uh, not just at the end, but throughout your pitch to keep it engaging and keep it a conversation. All right. Well, you had the questions to open up your pitch. You now have questions to facilitate the conversation during your presentation. Well, what happens at the end? Do you just say, Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. Uh, what's the next step? Well, you can certainly do that, or you can focus on these additional top questions to ask at the end of every pitch to make sure that you are truly delivering on what your investors want to hear while continually uh, fine tuning your presentation because asking these questions will not only assess engage where they are, but it's also asking for free coaching. You're asking for free advice. You're asking for free feedback. So here are the top 11 questions to ask at the end of every pitch and assess the quality of the conversation because we don't assess that. The investor does and in turn diffuse any initial objections. So here we go. You finished your presentation. Now you're in the wrap up stage. Mr. and Mrs. Investor. How are you feeling at this point about our conversation and what we discussed so far? Did we achieve your objectives? How so? Did we achieve your objectives is a, is a close ended question. How so opens that up. You want to know how so you can replicate best practices. What stands out as most important to you? What do you like most about our product or fund that makes us unique? What about our fund do you find most valuable? How well does our fund align with your business model? What, if anything, would have made this meeting more valuable for you? At this point, what concerns, if any, do you have that could get in the way of us partnering? Now, notice question eight. I didn't assume they had concerns. I said, at this point, what concerns, if any? Maybe they don't have any. Moving to number Uh, excuse me, moving to number nine. What's your typical timeline around making a decision? Because that's going to influence your drip strategy. How are you going to stay in touch with them? How are you going to maintain a connection with them without being annoying? Number 10, what do you see as the next best step? And finally, If you know that this process will be a longer process, get permission to follow up with them. This will avoid you feeling like you're pushing them or again, being annoying or overbearing. Is it okay for me to send you timely information and resources that you may find valuable until we reconnect later this year? That's your drip campaign. And now you have permission to deliver that information to stay in touch with them and insulate yourself from any potential competitors. So here's the deal. If you have time to give an answer, then you have time to ask a question. And again, it's leading with questions, not with answers. And that's why great leaders, great top performers, They don't always do different things. You still have your presentation deck. They do things differently. That's what makes a champion. And believe me, when they took this picture of me, you have no idea how long I had to train for this. So let's talk now about your unique value proposition. What separates you from your competition? what makes you unique in the mind of the investor well first of all i can tell you right now the way you've presented certainly created your competitive edge but now we need to go deeper okay what's going to make them want to invest with you what are you really selling you're selling you you're selling your message you're selling your compelling story you're not selling a fund okay So what I need for you to do, for you to increase the impact and interest, to grab an investor's interest in the first 30 to 60 seconds of your presentation, you need every manager, every sales leader, anyone, anyone who is pitching, any PM, you need to create your compelling statements. So what is a compelling statement? Well, I'm going to share with you uh, an example of one, and then I'm going to break it down for you, <laughs> okay? So let's say you ask me, so Keith, what, have you, what do you do? And I say, um, I'm a coach. Okay, well, let's, let's now see if this has all the criteria to meet an effective, compelling statement. Well, a compelling statement includes the end result of the benefit. It passes the so what test. It identifies their greatest pain. It could include testimonials, success stories, measurable results, and of course, you wanna speak to your investor's ear, even make it personal, make it that deeper connection. So let's go back to my statement. Keith, what do you do? Uh, I'm a coach. Well, let's see. Does that include the end result of the benefit? No. Does it include, does it pass the what test? Absolutely not. It's certainly not measurable or specific. Let's take it to another layer. Um, I am a coach who works with uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, PMs, and uh, uh, executives. Okay, well, again, end result there? No. Passes the what test? Not at all. So what, Keith? All right, let's go one layer deeper here. Okay, well, what I do is I work with CEOs and executives to help increase sales by 27%, shorten their sales cycle by about 30%, and increase revenue uh, per deal by at least 15%. Hmm, Interesting. Did it include the end result of the benefit? Yes, it did. Did it pass the what test? Absolutely, I gave you exactly the end result that you can expect. Did I tell you what I did? No. Did I tell you how I was going to do it? No. I didn't even tell you what it is. But it grabs your interest. That's the point. The compelling statement is all about what's in it for them. So now let's take a quick example. Okay. now, again, this is just an example. You could take it, massage it, and make it your own. But of course, the question is, can you deliver your compelling case in 60 seconds? Well, let's take a look here. Here is an example of one compelling case. With over 40 years of combined experience on our investment team, we have delivered differentiated returns using a combination of fundamental research and customized risk management framework. We've been able to generate these returns consistently over multiple years in both rising and falling markets. So what do you think? Does that sound compelling? Certainly does to me. And were you able to do this in less than a minute? Absolutely. Now I can tell you now, this is something that is not easy to do. When I coach sales leaders and sales teams on developing their compelling reasons, it's very difficult for them to do it because they're so close to what they're doing. They're so close to their company, so, so close to their product and service. So that's why I suggest either bringing someone outside who's not an expert in your industry to help create them. And another great idea is do this collaboratively. Do this collaboratively in your firm so that you can tap into the intellectual wisdom of everyone uh, to create something that's going to be really compelling for your investors. Now we're going to move a little bit to thinking like a champion. Now, of course, we've talked about the inner game of presentation skills. We've talked about the strategy of how to make your pitch more effective and concise. But as I mentioned before, what's really the single most important Factor that's going to determine the success or failure of every presentation you deliver. It's how you show up. Now, I get it. You're delivering the same presentation over and over again. I hope at this point you realize that while some of the foundational elements of your presentation may not change, you'll never have this exact same conversation when you now facilitate your presentations with the questions that I've shared, but that's still not enough. You have to be comfortable with this and you have to be comfortable and be resilient. And by the way, resilience is the word of 2020 and 2021. So how do you as a leader, as a PM, develop resilience, develop the unconditional confidence of a champion? I'm gonna share with you this right now, how you can do so today the problem is this: you've been lied to you you've been lied to your entire life you've been lied to about what the definition of confidence is and how you build it as a matter of fact, confidence is a social construct let me explain <clears throat> here's the PM <clears throat> here's the investor okay PM delivers an exceptional Presentation, investors intrigue and wants to invest. Has the PM feeling? They're feeling great. What happens to their confidence goes up. Why? Because they achieved a result. Uh-oh, but the next presentation didn't go so well. The investors really were fully disengaged. Ooh, what happens to their confidence? It drops. And then what's gonna happen during their next presentation? You're not gonna show up as the best you you can be what i've just defined to you is what they call a sales slump or what will impact the energy and effectiveness and engagement of every presentation so then how can you then develop the unconditional confidence of a champion by changing the way how you think about what confidence is you see the traditional definition of confidence that we use is well, Keith, um, I'm confident when I achieve results, or I'm confident um, when I can sign on a new investor, or I'm confident when I achieve my personal and professional goals. Okay. Um, well, what happens when you don't? Well, well, then my confidence drops. Well, that's a roller coaster. And that's what I call sad because you are now surrendering your internal power to external conditions. You're, you're surrendering your internal power. You're surrendering your confidence and your self-worth to an if then. If this result happens, then I will be confident. That is a broken model. Try this on. <clears throat> I am confident because I choose to be confident. Yep, that's right. There's no go-do on this one. This is a go-be. This is the inner game of sales leadership and being an exemplary presenter. One of my favorite quotes is by an Arabic philosopher, Hafez, and the quote is, I am happy before I have a reason. You see, many of us look for those uh, external forces to to, to, where we can derive our happiness, just like where we can derive our confidence. But here's the new definition of confidence that I want you to adapt. And this is going to be your choice. I am confident because I'm confident. I am confident because I am confident without the evidence to support it. I am confident because I'm confident and I have already proven myself and my self-worth without the evidence to support it. Who told you that you have to uh, assign your self-worth with your success? That's just a broken way of thinking. And I am not saying in any way, stop striving for excellence. Okay. Stop becoming more of who you need to be. But what I am saying is your results have no impact on your confidence. That is your choice. And that is how you develop the unconditional confidence of a champion. And hear me when I say this, as I look at you, if I could look at each person in the eye right now, you have already proven yourself you have already proven yourself worth. Everything you do now is just about bettering your best and striving for the excellence and the success I know that you want. So, as we, as we start wrapping up, I have some bad news and good news. Bad news is every single challenge you have and every presentation that gets messed up, it's your fault. Sorry, avalanches rolled downhill, but I have good news every presentation that you feel you may have messed up, every level of disengagement that you feel was created is your fault. That's the good news because it's in your power to change it. It starts with you. So what is your primary objective as a sales leader? It's to make your investors more valuable. Now, how do you do that? by making your presentations more impactful. And what do you think the byproduct of making your presentations and your investors more valuable? You achieve your business objectives. So consider this. When you wake up tomorrow, stop asking yourself the wrong question, which is, how am I going to achieve my business objectives today? That's the wrong question. Here's the right one. What do I need to do to make my investors, my solutions, and myself more valuable today than they were yesterday? That's the line of thinking of an exemplary sales champion and someone who truly has the confidence and the ability to rise up against your competitors and leave a lasting impression. So before we wrap up, there's just one more Uh, lesson I want to leave with you here. And I think it's important because uh, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I'm a recovering perfectionist. Uh, I don't suppose there are any perfectionists and control freaks uh, on this session, right? I hope my my sarcasm is translating. Uh, Well, let's be really clear then about what you can control, okay? Because in life, in business, there's only three things that you can control. And that is number one, your actions, number two, your reactions, and number three, your attitude, your line of thinking, your beliefs, your inner game, how you perceive confidence, how you embrace fear as an ally. Those are the three things you have absolute control over. Everything else is an illusion. And what I find futile is that we spend more time trying to control the things we can't than mastering the three things we can that will enhance the quality of your life as well as the impact that you can make with your investors. So remember, look in the mirror. There's your competition. That's the good news. So as we wrap up, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for your time. I hope what I've shared with you has uh, made an impact and now you know what you can do to fine tune your pitch so that you can truly stand out from the crowd and make the impact you want. Thanks again, and I wish you all extreme success.